Welcome to this third episode of the APL Meditation as a Tool of Thought podcast. I'm Adam Bolsevsky and this here is Richard Park. Hello. Yes, there. This time we're together in the same room. We're actually in person. It's unbelievable. Yes. At the Dialogue Bramley headquarters of your smooth. Look, it's just, you might remember this from last time. Well, not if you're listening. Not that you can't. Uh, the scribblings of... You know, alternative notation ideas yeah. from the last episode are on the whiteboard, blackboard, chalkboard behind us. Did we ever mention that's Iverson's blackboard? No, I guess that's not. That's the one you would teach Iverson notation on. Yes, and here we are, bastardizing Iverson notation <laughs> on the very, on the very same. Yeah. Okay, so um, for today's subject, we we're thinking of talking about um, the various functional forms. Yes. And when and how you should use them. And I think we should begin with a bit of an overview of um, what the functional forms are in the historical perspective. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. So it's the only way it makes sense, to be honest. We, we've looked previously, and we can we can show maybe we can show a picture of it as well. Um, We're talking about uh, well, I guess in the general term you could call it user-defined functions functions that the user can write and then assign to a name in some sense so so i was developed this notation which is very much a procedure notation as procedural as they come with these arrows going to places for decisions so you have these um it's a listing it was a linear listing of lines of code if you want the notation and then uh, along the edges, you would have comparison functions. They always compare some functions, the predicates at least. And then if they held true, then it would branch or follow the arrow up to some other line. And then when that was linearized, um, then um, then it became still this listing of, of lines, but um, it became, let's see if we can, do we have a... Uh, Example with a go-to. Ah, okay, so it became this Doesn't list of lines, and we still have the line numbers, and then you would go to with the right arrow, go to a line number, um, and then you could, uh, if you go to no line numbers, it would just continue execution. If you go to a line number, or any number of line numbers, would go to the first one, and then it would jump to that line and continue. So everything was go-to based. And that's how you did control flow yeah, that was inside a program. Yes. Of control flow. Now those that type of function had have been uh, extended in many dialects f with control structures from algol basically. Yeah, if else for while sort of loops. Yes. Uh, to replace the it's case switch statements. Oh select. yeah, select switch, yeah. case switch. And they've been used for many other things uh, as well. These kind of keywords that begin with colon and then some some name. Who and did the first? Who started the colon? I don't know. It was in first? the. It was in the. Not in the very early one, because there was this called Apple Gall. Oh right. Um. That. That they just used these keywords, which are basically what we have today. Like with slight modifications. But they their keywords in that those are reserved words yes. in Apple Goal, whereas mm -hmm. the way that Dialog avoided it, and I guess some of the APLs. There's not Dialog didn't come up with this. No, so. no, but I mean how it's implemented. APL in Dialog Plus has it's had the colons. So yeah, APLX has it, and I'm not sure who was actually the first one. Maybe APL Wiki says anything about about the control structure. Um, I guess the other defining feature of these. Uh, types of functions, the original form implemented in like APLs you could execute are the function headers, which is basically mimicking the calling syntax, yes. which is kind of a nice feature. Yes, yes. That's... The, the, the very first line of a function declaration is how you should call it. It's like a pattern of how you call it. Yeah. And then, and that also sets up the result variable name and the argument variable names. Um, and so on. So who has who started spelling them with colons? Um, A plus, I think. Oh, no, really? that's reserved words in A plus, it says. 
but then J added with a final dot. APL plus was the first one to start with a colon. And right. that's become universal. It's amazing yeah, actually, with all, all these vendors, they all chose to go with the same thing. So all basically compatible. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah, that's nice. And then, so that's the that's the chat, and it's this very procedural thing, and it's very like it, it very similar to what you would see in like basic and so on. Yeah. Um, do this, then do that. If this is true, go over here. But that doesn't mean you can't use them for functional programming. People really did functional programming in the sense that everything is a. It's like it's its own capsule. It takes yeah. arguments and it returns, and it returns results. results, and it does not and you do other chain stuff. Chain them together, and you can even compose them together. Um, you can't write them inline because of the notation they use, though that could actually be fixed. Um, no, I guess that's the other thing about the user-defined functions have the exact same syntactic properties of the primitive functions. That's yes, okay. that, that's important. That's that's universal. All APL functions do that. Most programming languages do that. You know what the next one? Except is? for their symbol, the oper they call them operators when they're si like in in languages with like more conventional syntax. The functions are the functions and then open parentheses and then your arguments. But the symbols, they call them operators. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in APL, we don't make that distinction. All the, they do things, they're functions. It's syntactically the same, yeah. Exactly the same. You know what the next functional form was in APL? Uh, well, so I don't know. If I had to guess, it's either going to be Assigning primitives and operators together, so essentially tacit. Okay. Or it's going to be, but I don't think this was implemented because I've seen in an old, I don't know what year it was, but a, a APL course sort of binder mm -hmm. that we've got that's like an introductory course written by Iverson. And in there, it has, uh, I think he calls them direct functions. Yeah, direct definition. Direct definition. And that yeah. has... I can't. I don't know. I don't know if it is curly braces. It might be, but it definitely has alphas, omegas, colons, and diamonds. Although not in the order that they're implemented in Defens. I think the logic goes the other way. It, I, it, I don't. Diamonds weren't added for multi-line things. In fact, some APLs didn't even have support diamonds. Just multi-line. So I, think, couldn't I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know how old this course is either. I know it predates Defens as implemented in Dialog. Oh, this doesn't have it. Maybe on on, uh, on Wikipedia it says about it. So, um, here, so I know I know I've seen this in text. This is what it was. So you could say a name, right. colon, and then expression, or name, and then the 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 deciding expression would go in the middle, and then it would choose. So it's basically this function does this. But if this is true, then do this instead. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like a but if type thing. But if, but if, and you just... And you couldn't chain this. Go all the way down, though. No. Um, you chain this? No, I mean, you couldn't have multiple propositions in a... So what we have in defense today is that you can say uh, condition, colon, result, if condition is true. Yeah. Diamond or new line. And then... And then if it's false, then colon, do a different thing. Then continue. But that's the thing. It's not yeah. do different thing. It's continue. Yeah. Okay. Whereas this only allows you go right or go left, and that's it. You can't chain this because the proposition is in the middle. By making it uh, into proposition and result pair in Defen, then you're able to. So I'm seeing here name colon expression. So what's name? So name is the name of the function when you're defining. Oh. You couldn't, okay. you couldn't make anonymous functions either. Yeah. 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 Okay. Fair enough. So I mean, they could have, I guess made a syntax and just enclose it in parentheses, but they didn't. It was just, you define some kind of function and it would be defined as name, colon, expression, or name, colon, expression, colon, expression, colon, expression, three expressions. And then the middle expression of the three would decide whether you go right or, two, or <laughs> go left. And I guess, so that sounds like, um, they were, it sounds like they were thinking in terms of these, if the, if you see the, the diagram from the APL 360 description, you've got arrows going off from the right and left. Yeah. So maybe they're like translating yeah, that I, into I, a notation or something. I think it's, it's a way of like stylizing a branch point, really. Yeah. It's not thought about as... As a linearized programming yeah. language, as just, we know them now with all experience using languages that are written on terminals and right, stuff. Right. But, but uh, I've built up amazing things like this. You know, you'd have, this was called a bag of functions. Mm. Where you have tiny little functions because you never have more than one branch point in each function using this 
thing. No. And I don't think this was actually ever implemented anywhere. He had a model for it. So you had, you had mm. something, somebody used the number nine to like, as reserved words for this. And then you have like D9 as we define function. Uh, and then okay. you, would, you would use quote card, you would prompt for text, and then you could type this and it would define it for you. Um, so, um, and it's, it's, uh, well, I guess by having it that way as well, you avoid having, some people don't like long, long trad, like one function that is a giant monolith yeah. that, you know, you have to navigate through, uh, it can be windy and stuff, but by, by having a bag of functions, presumably a function could call another function. Oh yeah, that's how you do it. you chain everything up. Maybe we can find an example of it. I think, um, so force is a modularity, although maybe too much if it's only one proposition per function. Um, yeah, but it's, I mean, it becomes very clear. Cause there's no new lines in this, right? No. No new lines, no time. So here's the, so in the notation as a tool of thought, very appropriate, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> paper. Um, Compiler from direct to canonical form. Yes. Canonical is what B. we call, canonical is what we call Tradfins. Yes. Direct is a, some that's, predecessor of defense. That's why you have. Um, it's canonical called, representation. Yes. Quad C people think it's like character representation. It's not, it's canonical representation. Mm. It's a character matrix that represents a traditional function, but today it could represent multiple things. But there's the translator. And the, and it's a really cool thing. I, I, when I was little, I, I could wrote this into my APL to make this work because I wanted to use this neat notation. Right. And and uh, yeah, see so how F9 as well. And, and the cool thing is it builds it up. Like it's, it's self-hosted. You start off with one tiny little thing. So you notice that. So start with zero reshape so that's just so to silence it up. So, oh, okay, that's so, the result. But quad so, effects, so F9. Fix has to be, fix has to be defined uh, as a in a traditional way. Yeah. Uh, as a function, and then, and then it just takes it, it, a quote part, so it prompts for one line of input, sentence to F9. F9 is the one that collects input. F9 is also a trad, a trad when you have to a traditional function. It's canonical function because you know you haven't getting started yet. Um, but then it oh, all okay. Stuff. So what I'm seeing, because the first line D gets F nine E. So are you defining F nine on the first line? No, this is fixed. That's one function. And then oh, D nine, you can see the header was, was okay, yeah, okay. And this is yeah. D nine then. And then there are these constants, uh, C nine and A nine, which are just alphabet and some patterns that it needs to, to, this is not a function. Mm. And then it just, it just, does all of that. And then I think he has the exercise for the readers like to extend it with like multiple statements and other, other things. Uh, maybe he has this multiple places and then just redefined. Very oh, let's see, there's an example below of using it. Yeah, so you can uh, see the Fibonacci uh, sequence. Right? Oh yeah, pretty classic. Uh, it's ex sum sum the, the last two in the sequence. Concatenate them to the sequence so far. It's to take the sequence and concatenate the sum of the last That's two right. in a sequence of Fibonacci on the omega minus one, one yeah. minus one, and the colon, and then omega equals one, if omega is one, colon one. So you can kind of see this. Okay, but this well, this was never made into, as far as I know, never made into That's a funny. mainstream. No, but now looking at this example, I'm seeing a Dell in the middle, if as it were. Well, I guess not really, but sometimes it feels like that when you're recursing on a defen that you've got. This yeah, no, this is exactly right. that. I think he even added that at some point that you could use Dell to represent the function itself, in which case you you're almost a defen. Right? It's not a branch point though, but it's like something where you're going down with. Yeah. So then it started becoming this very functional style, right? The, the functionists like to use these recursive definitions. Mm. That's how you do it like this. Um, and then, and then John Scholes, as he said, he got enamored with functional programming. Yes. And then he developed this more general purpose, uh, Defen. You can actually look up, and uh, if you look for Defen's DFNS on Wikipedia, it goes straight to the right page. <laughs> yes, a spell out direct function. Um, and which is, I mean, I like it better that the, that the uh, proposition there is, is first. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And then you can have multiple of them. No, no. Right. These things are not awesome. perfect. They're definitely features I would, I would want. We should, uh, we should you, put a link to, to John's last talk. Oh, yes. Yeah, he did. Have the past, present, future type thing. What um, would you want in defense? Guarded guards. So defense are these, these yeah. functions or lambdas. Yeah. Right? And you can have proposition, colon, result if it's true, and then diamond or new line, and then just continue. You can, at some point, you can have more such um, points. But as soon as you have a condition that's true, we quit. Yeah. And then we don't have a built-in thing in APL with these sort of short-circuiting um, Boolean operators like you have in other languages because they don't fit into the APL syntax. There's no way for you to say... <clears throat> If this is true and this is true, but you don't check the second one if the first one is true. Ah, right, yeah. Then you could build this using lots of functions and wrapping things in functions and operators, and but uh, and then you can if you use control structures, you have and if you can use for that. Yeah, that's short circuit. Right? Or you, you use have... logic to build up the condition separately. Yeah, but maybe okay, it... maybe if, if this file exists and it has more than hundred bytes in it. You can't check for whether it has more than 100 bytes if it doesn't exist. Yeah. So you can't, there's nothing, no matter of logic will do that. You must stop early. No, but you would code that as assigning the truth value to a name and doing an and between checking the file exists and, oh, I see what you mean. Then you might have to duplicate code. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, but so what I would like to have is guarded guards. So it's basically just more colons, kind of like the direct yes. definition. But but so all the the leading ones would be um, conditions. So you say if file exists, yeah. colon, and file has more than hundred bytes, yeah. colon. Then you do use that. But file. we do we have yeah. empty. There's a something with empty guards. I saw it in someone talking about asserts. I think. Oh, that's different. That's different. That's not a guarded guard. So what I'm talking about here. Yeah, but I'm thinking syntactically. Syntactically, what's it can the work fine. If you have if you have statement colon and then what a new line. So if I wanted to that n exists. Yeah, yeah. If, if and omega. If quad n exists omega, so if the file exists. Then and quad n info with whatever the code is for that. Yeah, um, yeah. Of of omega is greater than a hundred. The then, then we we read it. We read it. Quad n read omega. Oops. Right. Otherwise, we use the alphabet or whatever. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like like that. But now, if you want to do this now, you, really. well, can you check? You you sign the result of quad n exists, and then you'd have another. Then you'd have a guard that quits if it doesn't. Otherwise, you'd drop down to doing the quad n info. No, but you don't want to quit. You want to continue with using something else, which might be multiple statements. Okay, no, oh, no, no. Then you'd have not quad n exists omega colon quad a. Yes, but what if you want multiple statements after that? Yeah, well. <laughs> so, so the way you can do this is, okay. is you wrap this, right? Yeah, yeah. Like this, and then and then put this in. So, if this exists, then we run this function on this, and it says if this exists, then we do this. Yeah, else, I see. Yeah. Quad A, right? And so that, you have to have defense in defense. Yeah, in it, order it to, gets a bit hairy there. Yeah. And it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't read very nicely. Whereas, whereas, oh yeah, no, that's not gonna. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you could have a guard that then calls another function, which is what you, what the you bag have to do the, anyway if you want to have multiple lines. Actually. Yeah, you'd. If I was writing this, I'd use the the bag of function style, right? The the um. Yes. Read 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 greater than a hundred would be one function. Yes. And then that was already defined, and then you'd call that by name rather than having it defined in line or something like that. Yeah, but you want some facility for dropping out to some other things, and you have to like default this. Yeah, unless yeah. read yeah, something. Yeah, it's not. So guarded guards is something I, I would want. But all in all, the defense are really you know pleasant to use. And it's a big because people see, let's see, they see the game of life video, and then all the like latest uh, 
intros, even Ray Palivka's new book uses defens yes. as the functional form it, when it, they teach user-defined functions. It's definitely the way to go People when you introduce People join APL nowadays and they don't know that tradfins exist, which is yeah. very funny. Oh, and some of the hobbyist APLs don't even have it. Like yeah. APL, Dama APL, yeah. they don't have it at all. Um, and, and it's kind of more notationally, isn't it? If, uh, at the very least, coming up with names for the header is a pain. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can define these anonymously which also is more notation-y than, than Tradfans. And, yeah, people prefer the, the functionals. Because the primitives are functional, right? They take large... Is there anything that's not... Not really, yeah. They take arguments and they return results, all the primitives. Yeah. They don't they, do side They effects. rarely have side effects. Rarely. Yeah. I mean, there's slight side effects, like uh, the question mark has a side effect of updating the... Random link. Random link or, okay, yeah, the whatever. That's a technicality of the implementation. More <laughs> yeah, in than... principle, it could just be totally random and, and, and it wouldn't have an effect. But then, then, uh, then there's execute, of course. Yeah, okay. Run stuff. But but in principle, yeah, they're, they're pure functions. But there's nothing there's nothing that says that these, these have to be pure. No. And you can write traditional functions that's, uh, that are pure. Yes. Certainly. It's like you can do all the same. No, but notationally, it's just the vibe. Yeah. It's just the defense have a, a more APLE vibe. I and think. the fact that you can use them in place without giving them a name. I'm, I'm yeah, it's not so much the header. I think if you write a defense that's sufficiently big and complex, which we can discuss whether you should do that or not, <laughs> uh, well, sufficiently, then it might be a good idea to actually give meaningful names to the arguments. Yes, yeah, of course. To of the results. I think I've done this occasionally where I just say, you know, the final expression that computes the result and I give it a name and the next line it's is just, just that name mm. to, to kind of signal to the reader that this is what it is. And you can also begin a defense with saying, you know, alpha, omega, and then you assign those to some meaningful yes, names. Yes, I do that um, as well. Even more so if you write a D-up, a defen operator, then it's a good idea to like give good names to what the operator oh, is. Yeah, Unless yeah. you're writing some kind of composition where it doesn't really make sense to give them names, F and G or something. <laughs> um, but but if you're really doing something complicated... If, if you get to line... 15 of a defen and you're saying like alpha 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 something something <laughs> and you're like sorry what was alpha again <laughs> exactly yeah. and sometimes it's not so obvious which argument should be what so there's this uh, I don't know it's not a principle I, I, I'm not sure where does it even come from this idea that when you have a dyadic function the right argument is the main data and the left mm. argument is, uh, is a kind modifying of parameters. parameter yeah, yeah. Amount specification that kind of thing, which isn't. Um, it doesn't even apply to the mathematical. Yeah, I was thinking. I was like, does my because minus kind of not minus is opposite. Yeah, because you're you're subtracting from the thing on the left. Yes, uh, and usually when people say say you know argument times two, it's structural ones. It must be right because yes, reshape, sure, reshaping the data on the right. Take you're taking from the array on the right, and you're returning. Yeah, yeah. Some modification of the thing what's on the right. Sure. Uh, Pick, index, all those. Index. Uh, in Index of, but that's only because you get the same shape as the thing on the right. What? No. No, no, no. I meant the indexing function. Oh, right. It takes right, the indices right. on the left and the data you're indexing into on the right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. In, um, Sorry moment. And... Uh, you even have it, even in actually in. Yeah, even though Aaron Sue immediately defines I gets and that I And then he swaps it because it's commons ever the it other makes, way. It does make yeah. Oh, maybe the clearest one uh, is the circle function. You're doing. It's the function selector on the left and the yeah. actual number on the right. Yes, right? That's although the, that's hard. That. It's a debatable whether that's a good primitive anyway. Okay, I like it. But uh, the deal, you have the number. The, the main data is how many different ones you have on the right of, of question mark, and the left one is how many you want to take. The data yes. is the, the, the cards. So I, can, cards. I can understand having uh, conventions and patterns in that way. Um, I'm not sure where that actually came from, but I guess if the monadic function takes the, takes the data on the right, there is no parameter. It always does the same thing. Yes. Then surely when you add a parameter, it goes on the left. If the monadic and dyadic forms are related in that way. Well, they always are for a user-defined function. 
Yeah, that's true. Because you're not going to... You're not in the right mind with right and left. You're going to function as where the dyadic case is completely unrelated to the monadic case. I'm going to serve on the symbol table. Save on the symbol table. You're going to only use one name for this. Yeah, no, fair enough. But the primitives, I mean, many of them are related, right? Or or they both relate to the And symbol. there's no monad... We get a little bit away, away from, the, from the subject here then. But in, in any case, it is common for APLRs to do this. But of course, with something like multiplication or addition... Oh, there's, no, there's no one side that's the main one. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I makes a lot of sense to flip them around because you're often okay, computing... I, I means Aaron Sue's indexing, indexing function. Yes, yeah, so I means Aaron <laughs> Sue's indexing function. You're, comp you're usually, you've got an expression that computes some indices. Yes. And then you're going to use those indices... In some large static data. And so you're always doing uh, squad, swap, enclose when you do that with squad. Yeah. You're like array indexed by the enclosed indices I just computed. Yeah, there are plenty of examples of it. I mean, pick also. Pick, of where you'd rather have it the other way. And, and uh, pick and and petition and, and so on. Yeah, yeah. But I, I like having the there because there's this convention. Yeah. Then I like having the commute there. They shouldn't be defined the other way because it makes it clear what's the main data. If the, if the main data is always the thing on the right. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. It's a little bit interesting for IOTA, actually. Dyadic IOTA is uh, is reversed. Surely the main data is the lookup table and the parameters. Well, that's what I'm saying, because the only reason it's like that is because it returns the same number of elements as the thing on the right. Dyadic IOTA. You do in the, the yeah, but indices Yeah, membership returns the same as on the left. Oh, yeah. Why does membership look up in the in the lookup array on the right and in and index up is lookup array? Probably because of mathematics. But you don't. Well, okay, membership, yes. Because because it's it is the membership. No, but membership is regular. And you do member it does take up. the main data on the right. It's the IOTA, which is the newbie in the APR. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Why does it do that that way? And also, um, union. The way we've defined union, because they're not actually uh, sets, yeah, right? No, no, they're multi-set kind of thing. Yeah, kind of. But they, they also, like the main data is on the left. It preserves the elements on the left and adds additional elements from the right, if there are any to add. Yeah. But that surely the principal argument is on the left, and the intersection. Um, uh, without, or except for the tilde. <laughs> so like, I like this convention. But it's actually built but here's in it's like I, uh, I before E except after C. There's more. There's, <laughs> there's more exceptions than the. <laughs> than I, but but still, I mean, the monadic dyadic thing. So okay, so all of these functions are functions where the monadic and dyadic form are not actually very connected. Those are the cases when it's reversed. Yeah, that's true. So that's so what have we been. Right, so so okay so so. What I wanted actually to say was, <laughs> was was that when you have a defin and they're called alpha and omega, which is all very nice for left and right side of the Greek alphabet, <laughs> yeah. But twenty lines down, yeah, it's yeah. not a type of function where you take a parameter and some main data. Yeah, can it be a bit like which? How do you call this? And having the first line of the function say that the the left argument is this, the right argument is that, mm. is actually quite nice. Um, so yes. and that's the cases where... Well, in, in general, if you've got something substantial and you're trying to make it maintainable, the first part of your function is like comments about what it does, that information about what the arguments are. So my, <laughs> uh, my, my friend who hates um, not untyped languages, right? He's like... Wait, computer for computer not untyped? Well, non un, untyped. Oh. Languages with, uh, without types or... Without typing. Without typing. So dynamic languages. Dynamic languages. That's the word. Uh, he, he hates them because he's like, well, you know, what's the, what's the first thing, what's the fundamental thing you can know about a function? So yeah. What arguments does it take and what does it return? Mm -hmm. And obviously computer scientists, scientists are always thinking about that in terms of types, whereas the domain expert, the computer user is like thinking semantically, what's the meaning of the, yeah, so I don't uh, think I need the types, but I want, yeah, I want to know what the, what do they represent. These days I like to have a little bit of, you know, I'll be like, this is a nested vector and it represents this thing. And I'll notate that by saying like alpha colon vec of vec, 
or nested back of vec. I need to. There needs to be a nicer way to notate that. I think uh, John Scholes did have some kind of pseudo type notation yeah. he was using sometimes, and then colon colon, and then the thing that it represents. And sometimes I'll write it like that. I'm playing with ideas because I don't know. It'd be nice to have a convention, but it's not so simple because often you. And that can even be a goal in itself there. Oh, to, to, write, to write code that's not necessarily agnostic and normalizing, but able to handle different anything. Yes, yeah, so then you would, so then whatever, this type of header uh, declara uh, type declaration notation would have to have the ability to be ambiguous in that way, to say that like, it's just, a, or it's just an array of numbers mm -hmm. or whatever. You know. So let's say you, you have the, the case conversion function, yeah. which recently added quad C. <laughs> it takes an array. It takes anything whatsoever. <laughs> yes. And, and changes the case on any characters, finds, ignoring anything else than characters yes. in any structure yes. whatsoever. Uh, that's like the ultimate, right? but that's a scalar function. You and it's also what you're saying about these, like you're saying that when you're defining compositional operators, you don't know what the thing's going to represent. You don't have the semantic information. But you might know the type. You might expect that both operands are functions, not yeah, arrays, exactly. for example. So, so it, needs to be, it needs to be flexible to do but, that. For, but at, at there you want different kind of type of, then you want a usage type where, okay, I expect my write operand to be a monadic function. Yeah. Right? For example, the add operator, it's write operand, must be a monadic function. It can be ambivalent, but it's only being called monadically. But you cannot give it something that's strictly dead, it just won't work. Mm. So, but it's not, I don't, type annotation is going to be really tough for that kind of thing. Because it's not, people think of it as like for functions, it's a, um, it's the calling syntax. How many arguments do they take? And what type yeah. of those arguments? What sometimes. type of those? But that's not what we're talking about here. So. No, no, we're talking about largely for the human reader to understand yeah. what is the purpose of this function and how do I use it? So for the add operator, for example, it must be a function that you can call monadic, the right operand, yes. monadic function, a function you can call monadically that returns a, yeah. a, a Boolean result that has the, the same, same shape as, shape as the argument yes. that it's given. And how do you, so, uh, yeah. But that's, it's not a classical type type thing. No, it's, no. It's depending I think it's, on. I think it's more useful than just saying like, it's yeah. a array of ints. Yeah. <laughs> like, That seems so low level. Yeah. You get it. Okay, so so this is, these are the defense and they, I mean, they can do more things. You have error guards and things like that. Um, and then there are tested functions, which you've got plenty of videos about. And things. Yeah, so when did you be able to sign plus plus left arrow? Plus? Cross plus gets plus or plus Saint, some Saint gets Andrews some gets cross Saint, Saint Andrews or yeah or George one George, of the George what, George, uh, George might be the yeah I think so is the Scottish one no Andrew Scottish so that's the cross one George oh, yeah. is English so that's the plus one okay so um so that actually started that's really time. early on that's time. Time. and Andrew's choice is time right. and then. Uh, and then the plus symbol is St. George Cross? Yeah, I think, yeah. That's how I remembered it. Andrew's, St. Andrew's is the Scottish one. Uh, St. George is the English, what killed the dragon. Okay. Nobody calls him that. Plus sign and, and, and hand sign. <laughs> no one calls him that. <laughs> this is, this is, um, there, there are some old uh, bits of literature about APL that refer to them like this. So, um, that, at least the idea of that was really early on. Iverson had a paper on which wrote about the benefits of a model where you could do that kind of assignment. Right. And Dialog implemented this from the way from the beginning, I think. So like, I don't know, 82 or whatever it was, it started. Right. Um, and then, but only, and then they added the, the compose operator. Mm. And then you could compose things together. But you didn't have trains on Zodalic 14. Yes. Well, until J. Well, J has had it, had had it for many, many years. That's, that's what that's I mean. Right. Like you didn't yeah. in the history. We're talking like history of APL. Yes. And uh, it's the one thing that I found surprising. I think uh, is you sort of get involved in an APL like dialogue or whatever, and you sort of learn these features. And you kind of learn that some of them weren't always around or whatever. 
But then over time, you're sort of picking up these things. Oh, these ideas have all been around for a very long time, almost since like near the beginning of APL as a notation. All these ideas have been like thrown around. People have talked about them, made models of them and stuff. And it's only been like, I don't know what the reason is, just time, effort, inertia of, of people not, you know, being super strongly advocating for them. Defense took John Scholes just like doing it. It always takes you know, someone just doing it. Oh, before they had actually a long become... phase of thinking about it first, I think. Yeah, of course. Implementing yeah. it behind the covers kind of thing, and then suddenly it was just there yeah. in all its glory. Um, so, but tested functions, and then they get extended. The more compositional operators you have, the more you can do with those. Yes. Um, and then, and finally, trains. Yes. As well, which is really a composition of... Yeah, it's a uh, syntax composition. Yeah, three thing, three functions, or two functions. Um, three and beyond. No, because there's never more than that. No, no, it's really? yeah, yeah, it's a recursive for uh, two or three. So now we've got three functional forms that you can use in today's APL. Yeah, and Tradfins, the the canonical definition. Yeah. With the header and very procedural. And well, the option of being procedural. The option of being procedural. You can, you can do a functional. Um, can then, you go to in a defen? No. No. Good. <laughs> um, we've we've go to and control structures of that so ilk. Then defens. Well, you don't have control structures available. Not because they couldn't be syntactically speaking, but it's just disabled. Yeah. Actually, there's a trick. You know, you can make them work. If you wrap them in quotes and execute them, <laughs> don't do that. No, <laughs> don't do it. Don't do that. And and yeah, tacit definition, which is um, well, tacit program. We'll do a whole tacit on that. Tacit programming, which that comes from the opposite of ex- the way I remember it anyway. Tacit is the opposite of explicit, where explicit you explicitly refer to arguments using some name be that ones you've given or alpha and omega in the case yeah, of defense. that's the definition isn't it uh whereas tacit is implied arguments there are rules for how the arguments should be passed to the functions that you're tacitly defining but you don't mention the arguments explicitly um, do not identify the arguments and there well defense were controversial right they were the for some users People are like, oh, I don't like defens. Don't see myself using defens. Now people can't get enough of them. Yeah. The, there was a question, I think we talked about this on a, or we, whoever was on it, <laughs> a previous Arraycast episode. Uh, or no, maybe I'm, I don't think I was on that one. Henry Rich, the yeah. J dude. And there was some conversation there about like, do you, are you into tacit or whatever? And it was this whole like, you know, it's good for, up to some people like good at, they like it up to a certain length, but if it's beyond that, I don't really get it. But there are some people who come in and they really they really gels with them, and they will write some like long using a loaded term monstrosities. <laughs> <laughs> just like the official term is pornography, I think. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so pornographic. Well, it was trains. a while when when Aaron Sue was doing everything as tested as he could, other than operators, mm. which you can't name and then, and I, I suppose Roger Huey as well. I mean, he's the one that got the, the trains into APL. Yes. And then Roger reverted on that. Well, not really. I asked him about it, and he's it's not that he was against them, but he says it requires much more discipline to write good tacit code than it does to write uh, or at least decent. Yeah. That's I say that's like. Sounds about true, but uh, hello, welcome. So, Pete, so I mean, it's about yeah, we got time. We for the for, unless we edit this out, <laughs> pe- pe- you know, there's people in the office and there's meetings we're going to have in about fifteen minutes. So people have been coming in and wondering what's going on in the the room that we've occupied. Um, that's about it. So, <laughs> we're at the headquarters. We mentioned that it's live, live from the headquarters. We should have put in the. We didn't put in the calendar. Like no. <laughs> we could have, yeah, invited everyone on. Come on down. We'll introduce the whole paper in the door saying recording in progress. Doesn't matter. Um, what we're talking about, yeah, discipline to write tacit, and then that sort of 
you said that because um, I remember this coming up in the like optimized operands for some of our operators, specifically I guess stencil and key are the main examples, but there are other rank ones. rank as well. So like having because um, the way Dialog implements some of these optimizations, uh, they're called idioms in the documentation, but they're not. Oh, that's a different thing. They're set phrases. No, but they are. These are also set spellings. They're not okay. These are not idioms, but they are set patterns or compositions. It could be that the operator recognizes a certain operand, and then takes goes to special code. Yeah, but that operand has to be a specific spelling, right? Like um, not necessarily. The right. idioms are always token by token the same. You can put in spaces, but that's it. That's the only thing you can vary. How many you spaces? Can put in spaces. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or possibly, uh, yeah, token. So like, there's a rounding idiom, which yeah. is the floor zero point five plus, and you can leave out the zero and zero point five, or you could leave it like zero point five zero zero zero, because it would be normalized to the same token. Yeah, okay. And you could put spaces By and so on. Parser. But for the but the the special operands for the operators are um, a little bit different because you could have, say, for stencil, very often you have. A, a, um, oh, a vector yeah. thing, so you plus like you slash a t plus slash comma a times omega. Exactly, where a, is an array. And a can be any array that's conforming to that, and it still does it. So that's not an idiom. Idioms are kind of yeah. dumb in the sense that it's just a phrase. You see this, you replace it with some optimized code. Oh, so that's like closer to funkishness. Um, yeah, it's a it's a pattern recognition in the, yeah, okay. in the interpreter. Right. Um, but when those are put in for some of these uh, operators, the Defen version, for example, uh, I think Omega with with stencil or enclose Omega with stencil, possibly. Yeah. Both of those are optimized yes. um, in the interpreter. But right tack or enclose the top right tack are not. They weren't. They weren't. I think we fixed it. Ah, okay. Yeah. Eventually, but for a long time it wasn't. It's annoyed me to no end that the longer one was optimized <laughs> and the shorter one isn't that. But, but I remember hearing that an argument might have been, and this is pure hearsay, I don't have a source, but did Roger Huey said he preferred the Defen style? Yes. He said he preferred having Yeah, so then, and then and he kept writing things in Defen style, but it could obviously be written tacitly, and I was wondering what's up with that. I asked him. It's not that he's against the tacit thing, but you don't just send off an email with some tacit code. You can just send off some an email a with a defen. Yeah. But if you wanted to go test it, you have to go and sit and think about it. With... If it's long enough to warrant that, like the, the benefit I find of tacit, at least in my current state as an APL programmer, mm -hmm. is the phrases that are idiomatic and that you use over and over and they become recognizable, the things that are like, you don't even have to think to know what it's doing because so the idiomatic phrases or yeah which, idiomatic you know functions. i guess the evolution of that is like that the apl idiom lists the various the most famous one being the fin apl idiom list yeah. um but those were expressed in the most recent form as defense i think those lists aren't they i've translated them to defense some, of, some of the old lists have got like expressions where it's a name or yeah, like inline assignments and that's, and working a, that's how they all are it's only when i put things into apple card oh, okay. and after that but that's often it's because they're not suitable for tacit anyway because they're using too many mon uh, monadic functions and, and reductions yeah. that you can't really do a tops with properly yeah, right. um so, but yeah so, and obviously for you it would be the cut right Cut, yeah, yeah, cuts the, the, the different from partition right tech. Yeah. Where, yeah, and there are others, and the average one is, of course, very average famous. Most famous, yeah. And, and then... But beyond that, it all requires... So, so we have these three functional forms. Possibly you could say that the tacit comes in two categories, the trains and one function compositions, but it's a bit... Yeah, I prefer not to. Uh, There's a big difference as to whether or not you need to parenthesize them when you apply them. Yeah, if, if you if you are writing them in line, and you and in order to, in, and applying them that way, then yes, you know one needs parenthesizing, the other doesn't. No, actually, that's not even true. Because it depends on the binding. No. Yeah. Yes. If you have say minus jot one. That's a decrement function <laughs> yeah, right. that you need to so, separate and it you will, know, well, not separate. There's a fair argument and it, it's annoying because sometimes you've got really short things where you're like, 
you don't want to emphasize the use of a operator because it just makes it a little bit longer and uglier. But then sometimes isolating visually, for me at least, isolating visually that this part is a function, all the stuff inside the prints is this function that's going to apply as functions do, you know. Um, yeah, I like it sometimes when you have a dyadic operator that's driving a dyadic function. Mm. Then I sometimes think it's kind of nice to have the parentheses. But then sometimes, the the because of the way the operator is defined, you have to parenthesize one side of it anyway. So now you've got this parenthesized thing that's computing something you're using with the operator, and then you're like, oh, I don't want to parenthesize on top of that. So, you, so I don't use the right text sometimes. Do you ever parenthesize the operator and its right operand? Uh, so here's an example. Like, so let's say we do we do like uh, quad A, right? And then we want to add a lowercase to it. So concatenate that. Concatenate. And we want to do it three times. X concatenate. Right? Yes. So you do this. Yes. But yes. the only reason here to parenthesize, or we could use a right tag. Is to avoid stranding. Is to avoid stranding. So now you can you can parenthesize this instead. So you parenthesize just uh, the operator no. the three. No. Wait. Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the difference is comma. So yeah, essentially, so power being a dyadic operator has the yeah. left operand, which is a, a um, concatenate in this case, comma, and then the right operand, which is number of times three. And yes, I would parenthesize the whole thing together, the derived function. But, but this is this is valid, right? So here we no, have it's x, valid syntax, x, but it's, comma, um, open parent, oh, operator God, three no. plus parent. No, but so 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 this forces you, you, you when you when you when you said that the power operator you have the left operand, yeah, comma, yeah, and the right operand three, doing it three times, yeah. then your order is kind of wrong. It's a power operator. It has a right operand, which is three, and the left operand, which is concatenate. Not yes. it has the left operand, which is concatenate, right operand, which is three. <laughs> I see what you mean. Okay? And so this forces for you to think power. power operator three is a derived new monadic Oper operator um, called thrice. Yes. And so this says X concatenated thrice to the alphabet. Yeah. It looks odd. Because you're so used to that a metadic operator that needs to have a left operand, and here it doesn't kind of have a left operand, right? Yes. And it's valid enough. Mm. And it's, again, it's hard when it's small, right? Like I say, sometimes I won't... In in general now, my feeling is to favour parenthesizing whole derived inline functions, as is demonstrated also yeah. here. But... When something's so small, and like I say, when there's an extra precise expression on the left of it, and things like this, then um, then I might use a right tag. But I can see what you're saying about the like um, semantically concatenate thrice argument for this version, uh, and obviously I'm used to the other one, so that's why it's slightly crawling on my skin a little bit. But also, uh, just reading something longer that contains this, I feel... I mean, I, I, I find that parentheses um, take a toll on my brain. I need to build up a stack. That I, or, or if you stash. have lots of nested ones, yes. Yeah, but the shorter inner parentheses is, so if it just says, like, tally omega in, in an expression, I can just read it as a unit. So this keeps the by only parenthesizing the operator and its operand, um, then and one operand, right operand, then yeah. you can minimize the amount. And here, if another example, minus open paren at one close paren, in some numbers, and okay. that so that negation on the first one, yeah, which you can read that first, right? Negate first. Yeah. But. Ultimately, you are maybe maybe the most play with this. the most the most obvious example of doing this, and I've never I think seen this done is with the rank operator, where you parenthesize the right operand because that makes a new operator. So so for like rank yeah, one on major cells, rank yeah. negative one or on on one on, on vectors on vectors on, on, on matrices on vectors or, and matrices. Yeah, so it's rank zero one. That's a new thing. And sometimes uh, row-wise, you can call it, right? Row-wise. And then, 
And so it kind of makes sense to parenthesize the red operator and its right operand. Yeah, I have to play with this because the other the other thing about it is ultimately you are still on top of this deriving a function. The function applies to the argument. Well, you use this derived operator to derive another function. Yeah, which which you've not parenthesized in a sense. No, because it doesn't need to. Because it doesn't need to now that you've done this. Well, you don't parenthesize every primitive. That's that what I'm use. saying. I'm gonna have to play play with the style a little bit and see how I feel more because but, I'm but, not actually. It's not as my you know initial reaction there, but now I'm like, hmm, maybe, maybe there's something maybe to this. So so for trains. Right, so a simple one would be, um, so let's say like here, 10 open paren plus comma minus close paren 2. So it gives us 12 and 8. Yeah. And here it's a functional composition. The comma in plus comma minus is acting as a dyadic operator, binding yeah. two operands. Yeah. And so it makes sense then to, um, to use the same kind of, Form. So if you write plus over minus, it's adding the negations. Right, and then part of me is like, okay, so I've got an inline derived function. Mm -hmm. No matter how it's derived, be it trains or, or compositions or it's just an operator. Just now I parenthesize that whole function. I know that like that function is the unit that I'm acting on the arguments with. And whether the middle thing is a function, an operator, or a function doesn't really matter. And then I can use that with trains. I can use, uh, yeah, yeah. Because you know, I have some operator, yeah. had an, an earlier idea, which was that that should at be. least some functions should have operator equivalents, where they would take two operand uh, operands and then apply those the same way. Oh, that was as, as an idea for trains. Before they came up with trains, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. As I like to put it, like they were struggling to figure out how to represent f plus g yes. in APL, and it took a long time until they figured out they could represent it as f plus g. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But... It's true, when you get deep in the weeds. You don't see it. You don't see it. And so... Um, but yeah, this idea of you have like overbarred scalar functions to do. Mm. Anyway, I like before we, we have to end, because yeah. the time is almost up. Yeah. Um then what we actually wanted to discuss was when should you use these different, <laughs> different functions? Uh, uh, yeah, it's possible it's possible we've peppered in hints throughout the conversation <laughs> of like when we prefer to use things, the examples are obviously different. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe it's clear or maybe it's not that like my opinion at least is, you know, Tradfin's define a procedure almost like a script a sequence or like an overarching structure to a program defens you can use them them for that and vice versa you can use both of these forms for either of these sorts of things technically but defens i prefer to use for like yeah an explicitly functional if not purely functional transformation or something like that most of the time these are not hard and fast rules and then tacit is like like for me short obviously functional well pure, has to kind of has to be for the reasons we said earlier about primitives being um, unless you know you can write named functions in here but it's kind of like i find that a bit obfuscating when people write Apart from in the Aaron Sue or Whitney style, which is to have uh, short one-letter names for functions that do do kind of... You, there he's like building up a notation for doing that domain and then sometimes he'll define it. He'll, I don't know if he does this, but this seems like an excusable reason is like I'm writing a function that's derived from three other functions I've defined. And those have all got one letter names, and so it's a bit notationally that way. But I don't know if I actually. There's another reason to use tacit functions. I can show you. Yeah. That is when you need to pass values around, but you can't afford to use names for it. And so, so I will actually somewhat frequently use system functions, or almost exclusively system functions with like right text and left text. Right. To do something and pass something around. So. So I'll, I'll show you an example. I don't think have a loose name that you have to get rid of later because you weren't really using it. Yeah, and you don't run the risk of clashing with anything or, or overwriting anything. And so I have an example that is something I sent to a customer actually, which was a type of lazy loading where, where 
I was saying that you wanted to copy in Kanga, where Kanga is, is the communication library. Yeah. And then, but you don't want to keep it there all the time. So you just want to have a, a I wrote it as a function, a niladic function. This is the Kanga workspace. Well Kanga, well, Kanga workspace has two namespaces in it. When you copy it in, you get two, two namespaces. Okay, Kanga so and copy in a name. So what I wanted to have is the ability to pretend like that Kanga is there and call it without changing anything in the way you call things. Mm -hmm. But it actually isn't there until you need it. So it's like a load on demand. You can implement this as a niladic function, right. which is I think, one of the valid reasons to use a niladic function, because it has the semantics of, um, of, an, of array. an array, like right. a namespace, but it's actually runs some code. So the way I, the way I did it was see if I can if I can type it all up here. Um, is so we want to return a reference to the, to the uh, Kanga namespace, but the Kanga namespace is not there. We have a function called Kanga. So I I want to copy in Kanga. I need to to erase the current Kanga because that's this function. Yeah. Okay. Even it will remain on the stack as long as it's running, but it will be gone because I'm going to overwrite it. So <laughs> so I erase that, okay. and then I want to copy in the Kanga workspace. Yeah. So and I, I co like copy Kanga, but it's the same same argument here, and I'm not actually interested in any any results from any of any of these. So do that, and then I want to return the value of Kanga, which oh. is just the evaluation of the string Kanga. So then I can do execute here, like that. Is it a known and like usable fact that the right time of a fork is executed first. Okay. It seems from what you're what you're writing here that that is the case. It certainly has to it has uh, to be for the definition you've written here to work. Yeah, it, and it but I never thought of them that way because I never used them with side effect having functions. You've, you've provided to say, to say that like you know to me it's almost like the left and right times it could be either way like yeah. or asynchronous i mean it's super easy to check right just have them have side effects yes this is <laughs> that's true in terms of like factually and implementation wise i'm just so, thinking in principle so we have a train that is that prints, what you would want would you want that an fact l true? comma print an r martin thinks that i'm crazy for <laughs> so people are, tr are trickling in for the meetings we're, we're and then delaying you, now we're <laughs> giving it a dummy argument here and right this execute and it, it makes sense there. you know in the apl right to left execution like i'm not i'm just saying it's something I so thought you don't actually need, need the this quad ex here because quad cy will just stump over whatever is there yeah so this is enough but this is i mean I think it's pretty neat to do it like this. I don't have to worry about any temporary names to move things around. It just it plays like this, and you you can do this with uh, with files as well. So if you're doing a raw read from a file, so you're using time numbers, so you do a quit n tie, oh, and then yeah. you these days you always use this automatic allocation of a time number, so it yeah. returns the time number it allocated. Yeah. Then you want to read all the bytes from that, which yeah. is just some more parameters, and then you want to untie the file. Yeah. And so you can just do the the, the the tie, and then the result from that, you feed to a train, which is the read and the, the untie, untie, and then um, <laughs> what, what is sticking as a paper is saying, do not use trains with functions that have side effects. That was, you know, we're... we're That's his opinion. Well, Adam's <laughs> arguing one specific case, which is like a, a quick come and gone sort of thing. I don't see why you shouldn't use strains with things that have side effects. If the syntax comes out nicely like that, then you should invite Morton and as a guest to explain it. Yeah, position. this is so. The example here is very much like a thing that is come and gone, like as soon in the same yeah. very it's briefly, very, fleeting very short, thing. fleet. Exactly, it's not a like ephemeral thing. It's just the time number. We never need it. It's just passed through. So I think that's a fairly large caveat to add to. Oh yeah, I mean you don't want to do a giant GUI application. <laughs> exactly. There you want to go for the traffic, really for sure. And I've seen a lot of people, I think it's abusing defense for doing this kind of non-functional thing. They're mm -hmm. great for these mathematical things, even if they have some guards in them where you need some, some switch points. Um, and the scoping rules mean that they are, they're good for certain things. Um, but as soon as you start doing like object-oriented things mixed together with 
defense and you have to fight the defense that want to terminate as soon as they compute some kind of result. They're not they're not made for this kind of thing. Oh, you've got a lot of underscore gets everywhere. Yeah. Because you know. Until you start using like the Dewey library, which uses underscore for um for like its entry point into various graphical elements in really? HTML. And then when you use underscore gets, which yeah, that has happened to me as a sync, <laughs> all of a sudden it auto localizes in in the diff and that's not actually what you want. Oh no. Uh, and then you can't access the library anymore. So it's, it, this is abuse, right? This is not what you should be doing. And even even those that do like a defend gets an uh, an object as argument, and then it modifies the object, and then sends it back again as result. Oh, yeah. But that doesn't really work well because as soon as you make changes to it, it's globally changed. And so returning it is just—it's kind of fake functional programming that you're turning it on because yeah, it's just the nicety of the of the code, right? To make the code feel a bit more deliberate or whatever. Yeah, but it's like it's not. So it looks functional, either. but it's not functional because it's it's mm -hmm. having spreading its effect right and left globally, and it can affect other things that run in parallel. Really shouldn't do that. At that point, I would say threadfins are the way to go, and they're not. I don't think they're really clunky. Some people say, like, oh, it's, it's so old-fashioned, though. <laughs> like, yeah, the, the control structures are, are a little bit verbose compared to using braces. And naming, naming arguments is hard. So you use X and Y. <laughs> you have to... A and W. Yeah, I see that sometimes. I think I've done that myself. Anyway, let's, um, let's wrap this up. Yeah. We're going to do the, the rest of the so now we know. day. Yeah, we better get started with the work and actually using <laughs> them in those ways. Thank you for tuning in. All right.